very special love episode. It was oh, you. <laughs> it was just Valentine's Day this past Sunday, and so uh, here we are. This is the love special, even though we're not actually talking about anything having to do with love. Uh, we probably should have no. planned that more in advance. But, uh, you know, here we are, and this is kind of how it is. Um, Deal with it. Yeah, you know what? This is our first full year doing this podcast. We started started in, like, uh, October last year, so this is our first full year. We still got plenty of more years ahead of us where we can talk about Valentine's Day and all that stuff. And uh, You know, I, I, like, I like not, uh, like, singling out specific things right so that you can just like re-listen to these episodes without it requiring a certain time of year it keeps them keeps them timeless yeah it keeps you know them what I mean? well i mean they're already timeless but i agree with you it does definitely keep them timeless that's why we don't talk about current events really oh yeah fuck that in any of them and like that's kind of like what i wanted to do when we first started but then dave was kind of like quickly squashed that and so yeah fuck you <laughs> yeah i'm sorry but yeah we're gonna have Many, many more years of fun ahead of us recording this oh, podcast. No. Yeah. Oh, oh no. Dave. See, that's the thing is you signed your life away when you agreed to do this podcast with me. When do you think we would actually stop this? Um, I don't think ever. I think when someone physically makes us stop this podcast is when we'll do it. <laughs> you, know, you know when we're going to stop? What? <laughs> we're going to stop when the fucking bad history subreddit finds <laughs> out about this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um. Yeah, that... that, that 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 was definitely something we did not even know existed until yeah, like. Yeah, so Steve was like picking a name for this fucking subreddit, and he's like, "I'm a bad history." I was like, "Oh, that's cool as shit." And then like two weeks in, I was like, "Hey, do you know there's a huge subreddit called <laughs> Bad History?" Yeah, we'll end this podcast when they come for our fucking heads. Like that's when we're gonna end this podcast when they realize that we exist. But um, <laughs> but until that time comes, Dave, you gotta know, you gotta tell me how is your week? Oh man, so. I've been ass overhead sick. Ooh, that's not good. Yeah, you can you can probably hear it. I'm running now entirely on Sierra Nevada beer. I'm <laughs> nice. On, I think this is my third now <laughs> because the magic of editing. Yes. <laughs> but um, yeah. So uh, this week, like we said, was Valentine's Day. It was. Uh, it was fun. I got um, my girlfriend some nice flowers nice. and some new earrings, and she knows me super well, so she got me a bottle of Jim Beam. Some old Jim Beam. Nice. And then um, she got me this brand new um, like satchel, because I've had the same messenger bag for like maybe seven years yeah, now? I'm glad to hear you finally got a new one. That old one was a piece of shit. It was, it was like a $20 Amazon yeah. shoulder bag, but like, I love it, and it's been all over the world with me, and it's been all over enemy territory, but I got a new one. It's nice. It's leather now. The other one was like canvas and paper and like yeah, shit. It was, it, was, it was gnarly, dude. <laughs> it's pretty gross. Uh, it carries my fight stick, and... <laughs> Speaking Fuck. of fights, you're such fight a sticks. fucking nerd. <laughs> uh, but uh, before I go to that, so Valentine's Day came and I was super fucking sick. I was like, I couldn't breathe. You know when your mouth like sheds, yeah, because you were breathing through your mouth all night. Yeah, it was. Oh bad. god, that's so gross. I hate that. So, and uh, also, we had planned on going hiking on Valentine's Day, but it was 
17 degrees? Nope. Not doing that. (laughs) Seven inches of snow or something like that. So um, we stayed in and um, my girlfriend took super good care of me. She made me an awesome breakfast in bed and uh, we watched all the extended editions of Lord of the Rings, which (sighs) is... The best. Yeah. So it turned out really well that, for me, actually. I, that, that that that's that's quite a feat. I imagine that kind of spilled into the uh, the fifteenth a little bit there, didn't it? <laughs> uh, so yeah, I guess I I do it I do it dirty where yeah. I got the like fifteen disc extended Blu-rays and shit. Good lord. So uh, I think in total it's like a little over twelve hours, maybe. Jesus. And and um and uh, but that happened. Uh, Street Fighter Five came out this week. Yeah, um, so that's cool. Oh, it's so cool. Okay, like I, I, it's I a, don't know. It, it's a big deal. Yeah. Um, I like Third Strike a lot. Uh, Four was okay. I didn't play it super much. Um, I, yeah, whatever. I watched it. I was like <laughs> huge into the scene, but I didn't play it so much. But I'm gonna get really into this one. Find me on Steam, Dave J Medley. All one word, all lowercase. I'll be coming for you. See me in five. Fight me IRL. Fight me IRL. One v one me. Four twenty blaze it. Montage <laughs> Doritos. So what about you, Steven? Did you see any good movies? Did you read any good books? Did you play any good video games? Uh, kinda. Uh, my week has been kind of all over the place. On uh, this past week on Tuesday, I actually got like really sick. I woke up. Uh, Damn. Yeah. I, everybody. I, I woke up Tuesday morning just feeling like someone had repeatedly punched me in the face. And so I decided to tough it out and I went to work and I got, I got to, I got to the, uh, to, to, to school and my coaching teacher just kind of looked at me and was like, Hey, Hey, hey buddy, you feeling okay? And I was like, Nope, not really. But I toughed it out through the day and then I got home and like passed out at like eight thirty and woke up. Best. Yeah. It, oh, it was incredible. And I woke up Wednesday morning and I was like, I am not going into, into school today. So, uh, but I feel fine now. I'm just kind of dealing with like a cough and you know, like how, you know how that goes. And, um, so I'm just kind of dealing with the cough, but I feel, feel fine. But, uh, I mean, my, my week was pretty chill. Uh, I've been kind of slowly realizing how much work I have to do and how much I like kind of let it creep up on me. But so that's kind of what I've been working on, and then next weekend I'm actually going to Asheville to visit a friend of mine. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, craft beer, yeah, lots of craft beer. And uh, there's actually we were talking about Sierra Nevada. Sierra Nevada opened up a brewery right outside Asheville, and I've toured it before, and it's awesome. And they get you super drunk at the end of it because they like let you try like eight or nine different beer samples, and it's like you know it's not light beer it's like 10 percent beer uh yeah so so that it's it's really really cool so uh i'm but i'm going up there over the weekend and chilling with a buddy of mine so that's gonna be a lot of fun so yeah so uh so that's enough of us kind of just jabbering on should we go ahead and jump into the history yeah the history of the weather yeah so Ooh. this is when the weather channel strikes back it's uh we're gonna be talking about when weather played in a, a an important role in military history. So let's go so ahead. Pu- pucker up for a big kiss because it's big the romance kiss. episode. Romance episode. <laughs> play the music. Let's play the music. Okay, Stephen. Yeah. Do you know the three classic blunders? 
of like military history? No, just the three classic blunders from the, the Princess Bride. Oh. oh. Well, the most important one is never get locked into a land war in Asia. That's right. And another one is never play against a Sicilian when death is on the line. But I'm not talking about that. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking about Asia because mm-hmm. uh, the subject I decided to tackle is a multi-layered, multi-faceted uh, series of failed invasions of Mother Russia. Yes. I saw Hiroshi, So, um, there are three major historical failures to invade Russia, and all of them really rely on the weather. Because if you don't know anything about Russia, it's fucking big, it's fucking cold. It's real cold. It's real cold. I think I've mentioned this before, that if, when global warming does consume us all and we enter into a, uh, uh, let's call it desert era... Russia will be the only country that's like looking forward to that, where they're actually they're yeah. probably going to benefit from that because they got a whole lot of land that's just in, inhabitable, inhabitable, inhabitable in, right now, uninhabitable, uninhabitable right, uninhabitable right now, uninhabitable, uninhabitable right now. Sweet. So, the first of these three failed invasions. Uh, a lot of people might not know this, but this really sets up the military defensive strategies of Russia for the rest of its history. And this is the Swedish invasion of Russia. Now, the Swedish invasion of Russia took place during the Great Northern War, which is a lesser-known European war, though extremely important. It took place between 1700 CE and 1721, and it was between the uh, Swedish Empire and the Russian, Poland, and Denmarkian alliance Mm -hmm. thing so charles the 12th of sweden uh he was this really militaristic king who really brought on the heyday of swedish empire and expansion right and he went up against old piotr (laughs) you might know old piotr piotr the great peter the great he's a big tall motherfucker who drinks a lot and likes big boned women and he is the ruler of Russia, he's the czar, and he decides to step to Charles, and he says, look man, not my house, and Charles says, yeah, fuck that, so he invades. <laughs> so, the invasion of uh, Russia began on the 1st of January, 1708. Not necessarily a good time to invade Russia. Not, not a great time. Uh, and it happened when the Swedish army crossed the Vistula River, which um, was frozen. And uh, you might be thinking, but Dave, the Swedes know cold. They can, they'll be fine. Listen. listen. Listen to me right now. There ain't no cold like a Russian cold, because the Russian cold don't stop. Uh, literally. Literally. So Charles brings about 40,000 soldiers into Russia. That's a big-ass army, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and Peter's like, bring them on. I'm going to start this little thing I like to call Scorched Earth. <laughs> we talked about Scorched Earth before. Yeah, we have. Um, it's this brilliant, brilliant strategy 
of not giving a fuck that Russia does in like every single situation. Now, what would happen was is as uh, the Swedish would press uh, further east into Russia, the Russians would simply retreat further back and just destroy everything in their path. They'd burn all the crops, they'd burn all the towns, they would expose the enemy to the Russian cold, and they just scorched the earth. And And it became a kind of a chase where Charles was just chasing after Peter. And uh, it was so close, this game of cat and mouse, that uh, only a month after the uh, campaign began, Charles almost met Peter in open battle at the battle, or at the city of Hrodna, but Peter fled two hours before the Swedes got there and burnt it to the ground as he was leaving. So if they were two hours earlier this whole thing might not have happened. Um, And then something terrible happened in the winter. It was called the Great Frost of 1709. You never want that. (laughs) You never want that, Great Frost, especially in Russia. So on top of the normally brutal Russian winters, this one was super deep, super deep winter. Um where the Swedish just started dropping like flies. They had nowhere to stay. They were running out of supplies. Uh, During the Great Frost, they dropped to 24,000 men from their original 40,000. That's insane. And and this is also because during Scorched Earth, the the Russians would practice nighttime guerrilla warfare, and they would just pick off tiny forces on the fringes of the Swedish settlements. And they just kind of like, you know, started picking at them and picking at them. And this uh, finally resulted in a battle. It was called the Battle of Poltava. And this was July 8th, 1709. It was the final battle. It was the big battle. And Peter won. It was a huge, decisive victory against the Swedish. And it ended Swedish aggression. 19,000 of the 24,000 mm-hmm. Swedish were either killed or captured. Wow, that's crazy. So the Swedish left with... 5,000 men when they started with 40,000. Wow, that's nuts. And a lot of them were sent to Siberia because Peter didn't give a fuck. He's like, oh, you don't like the cold? You best get used to that, son. Jesus Christ. And this is really important because not only does it end the Swedish Empire expansion into Russia, uh, it really ends the Swedish Empire, pretty much. Like, after this point the Swedish stopped being conquering assholes to most of Europe. Yeah. And, um, and it also started to really lay the foundation for Russian military defensive strategy. Uh, the second episode of a failed Russian invasion is very famously the Napoleonic invasions. Right. So it's the French invasion of Poland. And this took place between... The 24th of June, 1812, that's an important year, by the way, and the 14th of December, 1812. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. I'll get to that. So Napoleon had the better idea of starting his invasion in June, where it was warm. And he brought with him the famous Grande Armée, the Napoleonic Armée, which was 680,000 soldiers. 
big fucking force. Biggest that the world had seen, probably, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> so Possibly, Napoleon, maybe, I'm not really sure. Maybe. maybe, it's pretty big, it's pretty big. Napoleon pushes rapidly through Europe, because everyone was terrified of this little guy at the point. Right. He's kind of, you know, got out of his way. And he got to Russia, and he was like, alright, let's do this. And if you're familiar with your Napoleonic history, this was a long time coming. Originally, um, Russia and Napoleonic branch were super pals. It was Alexander of Russia, mm-hmm. Alexander I. Him and Napoleon were bros, and then he was like, nah, balance of power, we gotta stop Napoleon. And Napoleon was like, yo, fuck you, and invade. And uh, they finally meet... At in battle early on at the battle of Smolensk and Napoleon wins. He defeats Alexander and uh, it's like a three day battle. It's a huge battle, but before Napoleon can secure a decisive victory, um, the Russian troops just sort of slip off into the night and burn the city of Smolensk to the ground. Yeah. And they just retreat east. <laughs> Why so not? Napoleon and his forces, it. like, yeah, right? <laughs> just, like, wake up in the morning, like, all right, where is everything? And this begins a three-month-long chase through the Russian mainland, where, much like how um, Charles was chasing Peter, Napoleon was chasing Alexander uh, deeper into Russia, mm-hmm. deeper into winter, and uh, this is where he fucked up. This is where you fuck up. Done so, goofed. <laughs> you done goofed and gaffed too many times. So during this three-month chase, as I told you, it it started in June. So the summer was coming to an end, and then the fall started, and mm-hmm. then the winter started. The winter starts really early in northern Russia, and it definitely did here. And uh, while the chase was going on, you know, uh, Alexander was just destroying everything he laid behind him, again, with the scorched earth policy. So they were, like, they were losing supplies. Right. They weren't being able to find settlements. A lot of the French soldiers started deserting. And interestingly, were being picked off by hired Cossack mercenaries. So they weren't even making it home. Yeah. They were just, like, abandoning ship and getting fucked as they were leaving Russia. Oh, man. So they were really walking into a, like, lose-lose situation. Yeah. And this kept going on until the Battle of Borodino, which happened on September 7th, 1812. This is the biggest battle of the entire Napoleonic era of the Napoleonic Wars. Um, There were 70,000 casualties. Um, About 35,000 French soldiers died. Wow. This included 47 French generals. That's that's a huge loss. That's a huge loss. Um, and about 45,000 Russian soldiers died, including about 23 generals. All in all, there was uh, a fight of around 250,000 troops on both sides. So this was a huge fucking battle. Um, but once again, right before the battle ended, where Napoleon was about to claim a decisive victory, the Russians slipped away. And they avoided this dis- decisive defeat. And then a week later, um, the French made it to Moscow. And Moscow was about 70 miles uh, away from Borodino, 
So this was like, you know, they were like, finally, we made it to Moscow. We won the war. We got their capital. Just like Civ Five, if you take the capital, you take the civilization. It's over. Except. Except. Except Napoleon didn't understand what kind of fucking maniacs he was dealing with. So Napoleon walks into <laughs> Moscow and he notices a slight burning smell. <laughs> and, uh, he meets with the governor of Moscow and he's like, I'm ready to accept your uh, unconditional surrender. And the governor is like, surrender what? <laughs> and then they look around and it's just ashes. Moscow There's no city here. Around. There's no city left. It's just burned it to the ground. The greatest city, the capital city of the Russian Empire. And Alexander had no qualms about just fucking melting that shit it's to like, the ground. like, fuck it, whatever. So despite being, like, a wasteland, yeah. it was the only thing for hundreds of miles. And the Russian winter was closing in. It was almost October, and it gets fucking cold in Russia in October. So, Napoleon had a decision to make. Yeah. Right? Right. He could either run back to Paris... Because this was going to be a game of cat and mouse that was going to lead into the Russian winter. Right, right. Or he could pursue. Right. And he could just try to chase down uh, Alexander and just gut the fish and get it over with. Now, what Napoleon chose was neither. Oh, that's good. (laughs) He, He decided to stay in Moscow for a month and regroup. Big fucking mistake. Because... By the time he was ready to make a move, the Russian winter had set in. Moscow is really far into Russian territory, so far away from Paris. And now he was trapped, pretty much. Yeah, it was not smart. Yeah, so he decided, I'm here, let's just get it over with. And he started the campaign again. Now it's super cold, super freezing. They have no supplies. They have nowhere to camp out of the cold. They're being picked off at night by Cossacks. And they start engaging the Russians again. And there are a few more, like, skirmishes, a few more battles. And Napoleon realizes that he can't get a decisive victory out of uh, the Russians. Because every single battle, Alexander just bails at the last minute and burns the shit down and giggles as he, like, floats away off into deeper Russia, where he just goes hang out with the nobles and gets drunk and shit. For sure. So, Napoleon just says, fuck it, we're boned, Uh, let's flee. But winter was in full effect. It was, like, November, December now, and the army started marching home, Frostbite started getting them. They lost so many soldiers. In the very end, by the time they got out of Russia, only 27,000 of the original Grand Army, which was 680,000 soldiers, remained. Only 27,000. Not good. Not good, Napoleon. This was the end of Napoleon. As you know, 1812 famously is the... End of the Napoleonic era, right. before the Saint-Georges, before he comes back. This is the end of his uh, empire campaigning in uh, all of Europe, not just Russia. Uh, and, you know, Alexander was hailed as a hero. He was uh, the guy who stopped the little conqueror. Oh. And, of course, the famous 1812 overture by Tchaikovsky is like that most epic, mm-hmm. most punk rock song of all time. It's, in- it's incredible. It's so good. It's like 
the best. It's the biggest middle finger ever. Yeah. In song. They use the French fucking national anthem. The Marseillaise. Yeah. And then they like slowly bastardize it and then put cannon fire over it. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's like, so good. So good. Oh, the... It's growing. It's growing. Oh, it's growing. going to talk on this subject very briefly because it's probably the one people know the most about and it's the the most recent and major instance of don't fuck with russia during the cold winter during the cold weather and it's operation barbarossa mm-hmm. operation Redbeard. it's the famous nazi german invasion of the soviet union it began on june 22nd 1941 and ended december 5th 1941 Hitler, Stalin, you all know the stories, Nazis versus the USSR. Um, this is the largest offensive of the Second World War, um, with a frontline personnel of the Eastern Front containing 3.8 million Nazi soldiers and 2.9 million Soviet soldiers. Now, these are frontline personnel only and does not include the reinforcements or the pushes especially in, like, Stalingrad and Leningrad, these famous battles that would eventually pretty much be the decisive victories right. for Nazi Germany, but the most empty victories, I think, of any war ever seen. Um, the casualties are the highest that, I think, took place in the Western theater. Uh, the Germans lost over 800,000 and the Soviets wow. lost over four million. Oh my God, it's insane! Four million. <laughs> um, and even though that these were Nazi victories, they were they couldn't do anything. They couldn't hold these territories. And this is where the Eastern Front starts to crumble, and where you know the beginning of the end of the Third Reich on the east, and then the Soviet pushback um, after three more. F- Three failed further operations into Soviet Russia, uh, famously Operation Nordlicht, uh, Case Blue, and Operation Citadel, all failed, uh, having to do with weather and just the sheer fucking number of Russians that they had to fight. And this is we talk about this all the time. It's the joke that the Russians had two soldiers, one behind another, one with a gun, and one with a clip to pick up yeah. the gun when the first guy died. And pretty much, like, when you look at these numbers, you realize that 800,000 Germans died on this front during Operation Barbarossa, but 4 million Soviets, they really didn't care about losing uh, 
even civilian life. No, not at all. They, they lost millions of civilians during these campaigns that right. aren't even spoken of here due to things like frostbite and famine and just like, you know, war crimes and all these terrible things. The Russians just didn't care. They just laughed and said, we got plenty more where that came from. <laughs> and, and this was the, you know, the famous last major invasion of Russia that failed due to the weather and mm-hmm. you know this eventually led to the race to berlin famously between the allied american forces and the allied soviet forces and uh yeah hitler didn't you know it, it's really interesting because both napoleon and both hitler claim to be great historical scholars right so of course they would have learned of the examples of the failures before them be it Charles in Sweden or Napoleon in France. Of course, Napoleon in France. Everybody knows why Napoleon lost because he right. didn't deal with the Russian winter. But both of them were arrogant, and both of them thought that Russia was, you know, imperative to winning their war effort. And both of them paid the ultimate price. So that's why you never get locked in a land war with Russia because eventually it's going to start snowing. Yeah, Once it starts fucking snowing, it doesn't fucking stop. It's going to start sh- snowing in, like, August, and it's not going to stop until, like... August. Until August, yeah. <laughs> There's, like, a week there where it doesn't snow. Yeah, so that's how weather has yeah. pretty much kept Russia from being an impregnable... Empire. Oh, man. Nuts. Super nuts. Super nuts. That's crazy. So, if you want to learn more about this, it's, like pretty much one of the most studied you know facets of warfare like there are their own sections and volumes of don't invade russia in the winter don't get locked in a land war in asia don't you know think you can do it because history has proven you can't nobody can not the nazis not napoleon not the goddamn vikings no (laughs) no one you can't invade russia well i mean the mongols did but, yeah, but the Mongols were from Russia, so, like, yeah, they kinda. were already there. Yeah. They were already there. They just had to, like, they just walked over. They just they walked over. There. Yeah, they went next door. The only people door. who can invade Russia are the Russians. <laughs> exactly. So that's oh, my man. story. That was a great story, dude. I enjoyed that quite a bit. Um, I always love re relearning about that and rehearing that. You know, it's 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 good stuff, man. Uh it's like one of the, uh, you know, like, when you're taking basic history, um, uh, when we mean basic history, we mean, like, high school level history. Right. There are a few things that the teachers just, like, won't shut up enough about. <laughs> yeah. One of them, of course, you know, being, like, Hiroshima and Nagasaki weren't the worst bombings of World War II. Right. And, uh, you know, another one being don't fucking invade Russia. Like, yeah, yeah. It, it just can't get drilled you into you enough. It's it's very true. I mean, that was like one of the things. Uh, it's one of the jokes in AP Euro was you don't you don't freaking get into a land war in Russia. You yeah. just don't do it. You don't. It invade. doesn't end well. It's never ended well. No, for it anyone. never has. It never except has, and it never Russians. will. Except for the Russians, and even it, it didn't even end well for them. Yeah. Like, I mean, I guess relatively speaking, yeah, but. Oh, man. That was good. They're hardy folk. Thanks, bro. Yeah, man. Well, I think um, it's time to hear your story, Steven. I think we should play the music. We should play the music? 
Yeah. All right, let's play the music. All right, Dave. So, I just mentioned the Mongols. <laughs> and I tactically did that. And the reason I did that was because what I'm going to be talking about today, where the Weather Channel has struck in back, is the Mongol... Struck in back. Okay, we're, we're, we're making up words today. Struck in. See me strucking up and down the street. Strucking up and down the street. <laughs> We're gonna. I'm talking about when the Mongols invaded, or I should say, tried to invade Japan. And, oh my God, I butchered that one too. Tried it. Tried to, to invade invaded. Japan. I'm talking about when the Mongols invaded, or I should say, try to invade Japan. You're you're trying real hard there. I'm trying so hard. I'm like, wait, what's grammatically correct? <laughs> what's grammatically correct? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Jesus. Oh. Talking about when the Mongols tried to invade Japan. Stephen, they got them samurais and yeah. them Genghis Khans. Yeah. Well, you kind of just combined them to a little bit there, didn't you? But, uh, <laughs> so the Mongols tried to invade Japan. They tried to invade Japan twice, and they were unsuccessful both times. Uh, spoiler alert, by the way, they don't actually invade Japan. Um,. So, Japan's like hard to invade. Japan's too, pretty right? hard to invade, and I'm gonna explain why Japan's pretty hard to invade. First of all, it's an island, and if you know anything about history, you know islands are pretty hard to invade. I mean, just take the uh, Great Britain for example. It's been invaded. Yeah. Last time it was invaded was what? Ten ten sixty six. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I mean, they're they're hard. Islands are hard to invade. Also, Japan is like ninety percent mountains. It's like it? it's like most. Well, it's not that much, but it's like a lot. It's very mountainous. Like Tokyo, yeah, it's like a volcanic archipelago kind of yeah. situation. Tokyo's built on like the flattest part of Japan, and that shit ain't flat. Like yeah. like you look at like a topographic map of Japan, and it's just like all bumps. I'm pulling it up. Do it. Um, I'll keep talking while I do it. So the these two invasions they took place um, between the years of 1274 and 1281, actually on 1274 and 1281 consecutively. And wow. um, you looking at it? Look at all those mountains. There's lots of mountains. Yeah, it's pretty mountainous. I'm looking at the elevations. Yeah. Um, and anywhere away from the coast, pretty. Yeah. Like, like, that's the thing. It's like on the coast, you'll have like these little almost like inlets and coves of like flat land where city, they built cities. And then all there was else was mountains. And so it's like hard to invade. It's hard to really like move an army through that. Um, but uh these two invasions by the Mongols were headed up by the leader Kublai Khan, who's pretty famous. He's the uh, great-grandson of Genghis Khan, who I'm going to talk here about uh, here in a second. Um, but pretty much lead, leading up to this, the Mongols were, like, running train through Asia. Uh, they were just, like, kind of going from place to place, just, like, conquering it. And, uh, <laughs> uh, and so they had just got done conquering what's now modern-day Korea which is the little uh, peninsula branching off of Asia that's right above Japan, um, just to kind of get you get your mind where, where, where it's at. So they're, they're right, you know, they're knocking on Japan's door. And um, they look at Japan to as a place they want to kind of go next. And uh, so before I kind of get into this, before I get into their dealings with Japan, I kind of want to just give a brief history of the Mongols because 
The Mongols are a group of people that I think a lot of people like to say they know a lot about, but in reality, they really don't. Um, so the Mongols were, they started out as almost like a coalition of several nomadic warrior tribes that were founded on, um, it's called the steppe, like Asian steppe, which is like Northeast Asia. And it's just a lot of huge grass, like flat lands. And which is perfect for nomadic people that move around with the seasons and they kind of, you know, it's, it works well, it's flat and they can move their horses and their livestock. And, um, and so the, the, the Mongols were kind of started, they started, you know, just kind of as a loose coalition of of tribes and they're kind of headed up by this guy, Genghis Khan. And that's not his original name, but that's the name that he's eventually given. Um, Yeah, I learned his name is, uh, Chingis, but that's because I studied, um, like a Middle Eastern sort of, uh, perspective on genghis khan but like right. he's got so many names right like yeah i mean and it's like he'll like, either learn it as like timogen sometimes right like Timogen well that, that's khan. his that's his that's his um khan isn't uh like a like a like a name more of it is like like a it's title. a title right yeah. right so khan is like ruler or like supreme ruler i should say so and genghis khan that's not genghis is not his you know like god-given name it's his uh name that genghis. he kind of earns uh <laughs> <laughs> Genghis, get your butt in here for dinner. What Gangus? you doing, Genghis? Genghis, get off that Game Boy. <laughs> game Boy, come talk to come talk to your grandma. She on the phone. Genghis, get over here. Been in that bathroom all night. <laughs> oh Jesus. Um, so, I'm in my kid, Genghis. Oh God, yes. So Genghis Kong ruthlessly united the tribes. Uh, under un, under him and he kind of used the whole swear loyalty to me or get fucked up technique and that kind of worked out really well for him the best technique um yeah and so he pretty much just like expanded outwards and like no one really stopped him and uh he he i mean it was it was it was insane he moved and like you know he just kept making these huge moves and um he was I mentioned also a earlier. colossal fuck machine, right? Oh yeah. So the whole the whole thing is that either it's like it's like something like one percent of everyone in the world is related to Genghis Khan, or something like that, or like four percent. I mean, it's something like pretty significant. Um, because he pretty much says he had like lots and lots of wives, and he slept with lots of women, and um, had lots of kids, had lots of little Genghis Khans running around. Um, <laughs> uh, so Genghis, uh, <laughs> Genghis, get you, get get your butt in here. <laughs> we gotta talk about these grades, Genghis. You gotta get them up. You ain't gotta, you gotta get into a good college. You ain't gonna get a good college with these grades. Genghis, get your butt in here. Okay, you started out, and then you ended up as like a Jewish father. <laughs> Genghis, these mocks. You wanna get into a good school? You gotta do better. <laughs> oh man, oh, you leaving all this in? I hope you know. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, so, uh, so anyway, so. So, uh, so Genghis Khan. I mean, he goes as far. I mean, he doesn't uh, specifically do this. His one of his ancestors does, not ancestors, but like, um, you know, like grandsons or I don't know the exact lineage, but like his uh, descendants. Yeah, he's one of his descendants. Uh, one of, one of the Khans actually comes into contact with Crusaders, and um, it's actually this is a really funny story. Pope Innocent the Fourth contacts uh, the Khan and says. Uh, and says, um, hey, man, you're Christian, and you're our ally, and you're going to help us kind of kill these Muslims. And he, he laughs at him, and he's like, he's like, no. He's like, I control, I, I control all the land. I am, I am God over all these lands, and I could just e- as easily kill you and take your land. 
Yeah, he's and, just like, bring it on. Yeah, and so he's like, and the po- the Pope's just kind of like, all right, okay, all right, cool, 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 cool. All right, we'll pack you away do you. Now. You do you. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, moving back on to the story. So prior to the attacks um, in Japan and prior to these invasions, Japan's kind of suffering from this internal strife and, and, and kind of civil, civil, not a war necessarily, but it's a conflict where there's, there's kind of this, this dispute about who's kind of in charge. And um, Kublai Khan sends, sends a letter over to Japan and says, hey, uh, you should recognize me as, like, your father. And, and like, 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 recognize the Mongols as, like, your father, as a patriarch figure, and play, pay, you know, homage to me, pay, pay respects to me. And so pretty much he asks them to be his bitch. Pretty much asks Japan to be, to, 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 you know, to, 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 be under to play like feast them towards uh towards uh, the the mongols and japan pretty much just like didn't answer they, they ruffle in his face yeah they pretty much say you know like get out of here tell the messengers to leave then he sends more messengers and they keep telling him to leave until eventually um eventually just just refuse to let them into japan at all and they refused entry into japan and so uh and so this really pisses Kublai Khan off because he's not used to being told no. And uh, Japan can really smell what the Mongols are cooking. And they, they started to get their started to get themselves ready for war. And in 1247 is when the first invasion happens. Mm. And so um, and it's a pre- pretty significant invasion. A navy of 800 ships carrying 23,000 soldiers crosses the narrow sea and heads, heads towards Japan. Um, and uh, so, so this pretty sizable navy with a pretty sizable army decides, you know, comes in to, to invade Japan, and the, the Japanese, you know, they're not used to fighting, they're not used to fighting like big land wars, like they just haven't had to in a really long time. Now, Stephen, can yeah. you inform me around what year this is taking place, so is, I know the numbers? Right. This is twelve seventy four. Okay. This is twelve seventy four. So we're right in the middle of the Middle Ages. Pretty much, yeah. Um, so, like, that's a lot of people. It's a, it's a, it's a significant amount of people, especially like, you got to think Japan as a country. It's not huge, yeah. Um, and like I said, it's mostly mountains. When the problem with that is, uh, it really inhibits growth, right? Like, like it's hard. Uh, and you know, I can I could get into a whole episode about Japan and kind of like the the growth of Japan and how they came to be, but um you know they it's it, their their country inhibits really big growth of population um for the time period so it's a sizable you know it's just it's a sizable army this is also like kind of like right in the middle of mongol heyday like the mongols are relevant until the late 1300s 1400s um when they start to kind of fade out uh but the so the japanese did their best to hold off the forces on like uh, the small islands that the the mongols had to cross or get by to get to mainland Japan, and um, you know these were really, really small forces of a hundred or less that are like that are really just trying to halt these the Mongols. But you know they they all get slaughtered, they all get just destroyed. Um, eventually, the 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 Mongols land in Hakata Bay, and they prepare for a land invasion. And uh, the Japanese are kind of faced with this huge problem, and it really has to do with their leadership and. Uh, we have to understand is Japanese hadn't faced a major land battle in over 50 years. And so because of that, all their generals don't have the experience fighting a large army. They just don't know what to do. Um, because, and a lot of their training has to do with like one-on-one hand, hand-to-hand combat, um, you know, like really small scale stuff. 
and so they're not used to having to control big armies and like deal with these big these big battles and also the mongols are packing heat the mongols are packing <laughs> uh some pretty advanced technology and they, they see some very early instances of gunpowder being used um you oh, know nice. yeah gunpowder originates from from asia from china and so you see some like early like there's like hand grenades like early hand grenades um they're, early... they're like the cartoon bombs with like the, the right spear with the wick <laughs> right exactly it's just like really like you know like stuff we would kind of consider primitive now but very at the time it was very advanced and you know obviously they're, they're known the mongols are known for their short bows and the accuracy and precision that they can have with them so they're just like the japanese are just outclassed um but the Japanese, they get very, very lucky. So um, shortly after the Mongols land in uh, Hakata Bay, a typhoon hits. Motherfuck. A typhoon hits the bay, and the Mongol ships, uh, the Mongols are faced with this dilemma where they say, all right, we can either stay and probably get just, like, destroyed, or we have to retreat. You and, must be quick as a coursing right. river, exactly, with all the strength of a great typhoon. That's uh, China, and that's yeah, the Huns. It's China. <laughs> but um, so so some most of the ships decide to bail out of Hakata Bay, but some of them stay, and the ones that stay end up just getting absolutely wrecked, get absolutely destroyed by this typhoon, um, and then. The, the Japanese, under the cover of darkness at night, they, they hop into their to – their, um, they're not even ships. They're boats. They're, they're small, very fast, easy-to-maneuver boats. And what they do is under the cover of night – oh, this is so awesome. They, they, they go up to the Mongol ships and they board the Mongol ships. The samurai board the Mongol ships and just kill everybody inside. Dude, and, can we talk about how everything that the Japanese do militarily – Yeah. Is so badass because not only do they do it, but they do it with samurai. Right, like. right, exactly. And this is like samurai <laughs> heyday. This is like this is like right when the Bushido code is like starting to like you know be a thing. And the the samurai, you know, they're packing these these long swords. They're used to fighting in kind of small quarters, and the Mongols just aren't. The Mongols don't know how to fight in these kind of situations, like on like close quarter situations. So they, the samurai just wreck them. The samurai kill like that, like like all the Mongols they come across on these ships, and the Mongols are just decimated and have to retreat, like the ones that are left. And so this is the the end of the first invasion. Um, but the war is not over. You know, like the the Japanese know the Mongols are going to be back because they didn't like they didn't decimate them. You know, they 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 killed yeah. enough for them to retreat for a while. But uh. Kubakan's pretty pissed at this point, and he still wants to kind of go on this this route of you know you're going to pay tribute to me, uh, which is what the Mongols tend to do. The Mongols, if 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 it's a sizable enough nation, they're just going to set up a system where you're paying tribute to them. But uh, so the Kubakan keeps sending emissaries to Japan, and uh, eventually Japan invites them in, takes them to their capital, and then beheads them. Fuck yeah! Yeah, and so and this happens twice. And uh, and so Kubakan's like, all right, okay, I see what's going on. And so in 1281, the Mongols launched a second massive attack. This one exponentially bigger than the last attack. It's a force of 900 ships, and then a Damn. second force of 3,500 ships. Damn. 3,500 ships. Two separate forces. Um. 
So the whole plan is that they're going to attack in two different spots. However, things don't exactly start out well for them. Um, I think the, the 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 bigger the bigger force is is delayed a little bit, uh, and so the um, and the, the Japanese have been preparing for these invasions for you know like almost ten years, about you know like eight years. And, they knew they got lucky the first time, right? Exactly. Like, Let's prepare. And so the, the the Mongols just can't you know they they'll land and then they'll, then they'll just be pushed back to their ships, and so they're having a really hard time getting concrete foothold a concrete foothold. And this kind of all accumulates into a second battle of, of Hakata Bay. And so the Mongols are uh, push in and they attack this super fortified Japanese coastline. And the Japanese are just able to hold them back. And uh, again, they get extremely lucky because an even bigger typhoon moves into Hakata Bay. And for oh. two straight days, it just pounds the Mongol navy. Just you know, there at, was some fucking Japanese sorcerer right? Like, casting spells. And it absolutely decimates the Mongol the Mongol navy. Like so much so that they that what the, the that the generals just flee. The generals just bail. They don't even want to see what's going on. So it they're absolutely destroyed, and that's the end of the Mongol invasion entirely into Japan. And actually something that's very interesting is that the second typhoon is given the name Kamikaze. Oh so, my yeah. god. And so that's where we get the name Kamikaze is from the second typhoon. And so the the Mongol invasion is stopped not once but twice by a typhoon. Uh so I at think, that point you don't you don't try again. Yeah, yeah. at that point the they kind of gave up invading Japan and uh Japan would only be later invaded by the United States. Yay. About 600 years later. But, um, <laughs> and we didn't really invade them. We kind of just sold, like sailed into their ports with our big ironclad we, ships. And we said, did what we do. Yeah, we, we sailed we in. We economically invaded them. We sailed in with ironclad ships and said, hey, you're going to trade with us now. Uh, anyway, so that's the end but of my story. But you know what? Hmm. You drove a Honda. I drove a Honda. Yep, They exactly. got us back. They got us back. I'm doing this podcast on a toshiba <laughs> they got us back they won they won um but that's the end of my story uh actually uh i this is kind of when we talked about this, this is immediately when i'm through uh, what my mind went to was this uh this story but i saw a video recently and i really really enjoyed it it was really funny uh this guy gives a quick like eight minute summary of the history of japan and he talks oh, about this that. you saw it yeah yeah, it's really it's really good. Um, I'll I'll, po- I'll post it to the page, to the Facebook page and the Twitter. Uh, it's really funny, and he he mentions this briefly for like thirty for like ten seconds, but it's a really really good summary of Japan because their history is really interesting. Um, it's a lot different than most other countries, especially like developed countries. Uh, so I'll post that. But that's my story, Dave. It's a great fucking story. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. You don't fuck with the fucking weather. You don't, you don't fuck with the weather. You don't fuck with the weather. Yeah. Um. So that's it for that. That's it for the history of the, of the history this week. Um. Before we go, we have a few things we need to talk about. Uh. First of all, we got to figure out what we're doing next week. <laughs> what topic we're doing next week? Um. I picked this one. I know, and I'm gonna pick the next one, Dave. I know how this fucking works. Okay. Okay, Dave. So for next week, here's what I'm thinking. Let's hear it. Let's do disease. 
disease? Yeah, so what we're going to talk about is a time where disease played a significant role in history. All right, let's make a quick rule. Yes. You're not allowed to do Black Plague. Absolutely not. You're not allowed to do Spanish Flu. Absolutely not. Deal. All right. Okay, Sounds cool. good. Sounds good. So neither of those, but when disease played a significant role in history. Cool. Let's do it. Okay. Now, one last thing. Let's hear it. Dave, you know what time it is. Oh, no. It's time. It's time for the for viewer to turn plugs. this off and not listen. Plugs. Okay. So real quick. You know we, the drill. You know the drill. We are on iTunes. Uh, you can there. check us out on there. Don't. You can you can rate and review us. I love when people do that. It's something do you know, it. I really look forward to. And I actually have one I want to read. Oh, God. So this is from uh, Deeply Dapper. <laughs> the title is uh, Great Fun. And I love, I love this review. I started out assuming I wouldn't like this podcast when the host proclaimed their love for Van Helsing. As did like, I. Like, like we do. Um, like we do. <laughs> but then they won me over with their episodes. Chock-a-block full, full of interesting history told in a relatable manner. Subscribed. <laughs> and then in, then in parentheses, least favorite part is the amount of good scroll heard each episode. Fuck. You know what? I want to say something, Dapper Dude, Dapper Dan. Listen, if I get a good scroll out of Steven, I'm fucking excited. Because I gotta remind this motherfucker every episode beforehand. And then you come in here, and you fucking shake the apple cart, and you're like, oh, there's too many good scrolls. And you plant this seed of doubt in Steven's mind, and before this episode, he's like, you know what, Dave? Maybe we should lay off the good scrolls. It's like a catchphrase. Maybe we should just like save it for the end. And I cry. I wept. So thanks a lot, Dapper Dan. You killed good scrolls. Thanks, jackass. <laughs> Don't worry, we didn't entirely kill it, but uh, um, but yeah, thanks for the great review, man. Uh, like I said, if you leave a review, odds are we're going to read it off on the show, um, so definitely do that. We love reading them and all that. We're also on um, we're also on Facebook, Bad History Podcast. Uh, my next goal is to get more involved on that. Uh, I've been getting involved on, on our Twitter a lot more, and that's Bad History Cast. Uh, I've never been there. Yeah, I know, I know you don't know how to use Twitter, but we're kind of we've we've been we've been growing, we, uh, and I've been trying to you know really get involved with that. So Facebook is my next is my next mission to get more involved on the Facebook. Uh, our base of operations is Podbean. We have a Podbean. It's badhistorypodcast.podbean.com. Um, so you can check us out there. You can download all the episodes directly from there. Listen to all of them, all that good stuff. Just don't. Um, maybe we need to like get our own domain name sometime soon. But listen, we. Steven and I, we've been given the opportunity several times, I'm sure, where we could, like, you know, actively try to push this thing down everyone's throats. Right. We could, like, shoot this into people's nudes feeds and be annoying get obnoxious about it, especially to our subscribers. And uh, we really didn't want to go that route. We kind of yeah. wanted this to be, like, a word of mouth, share among friends and family, people who you think would be interested. And we've gotten an amazing response on that method alone. And, yeah. like... So we really appreciate you guys just telling yeah. people about us. Uh, we don't boost our, like, statuses, and we don't right. push anything to anywhere. And we definitely could, but we're not those kind of guys. If you want to listen, listen, check it out. Uh, if you're looking for a good podcast, or if you know somebody who's looking for a good, easy podcast about an hour long, uh, you know, throw our name out there. It's pretty light. They better yeah. be down with cursing, because <laughs> fuck. 
We don't we don't censor ourselves. And shit. But yeah, we don't thank you guys enough uh, because we really don't we don't pay to uh, to 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 promote it all. We we haven't spent any money on promotion because that's something we kind of both agree we didn't want to really do. We didn't want to go that route because um, like word of mouth, I think that like that just builds better a better base of like listeners and a better community. So that's kind of the route we chose, and that's like for the foreseeable future, kind of the route we're gonna take. So. Um, but yeah, we it's love... also because we're cheap as fuck. It's also because we're really cheap grad students, and that's what we need to do. But yeah, thank you guys so much for that, and I think that's all for my plugs. Um, thank God. Yeah. So should we end the show? Do it. All right. Kill thank it. you. Yep. Yep. We'll uh, we'll see you guys next week where we talk about the death and disease as always. And uh, my name is Steven. I'm Dave. Happy history and good scroll. We'll see you guys later. Mm-hmm.